Well, good morning again, and uh, I hope uh, if you haven't uh, haven't been praying that you'll pray for the service and pray for me. Uh, have some have some thoughts upon my mind, but it's always uh, uh, concerning. Sometimes I guess to me to make sure that you know the things that you have on your mind, you're able to, to present and to explain in a way that would be uh, edifying to God's people and uh, and challenging to us too. At the same time, we uh, I trust that as you come here, you want to know <clears throat> more about the Word of God and more about the things that are explained in the Word of God. Uh, I I was thinking this morning, uh, just my, my mind pondering some things, and I was thinking about uh, Brother Adam and Sister Emily uh, back a few weeks ago. That uh, I saw at least some pictures uh, that that had been posted. You know that they had been to the Alamo, and uh, you know during the time of the uh, that uh, Texas was declaring their freedom from Mexico, great battle that was fought there. Uh, Many many died, and uh, the Texans looked at looked upon that, and their their cry became, "Remember the Alamo." Uh, they wanted to look back and remember those brave men that fought there and died there, uh, that gave uh, other other soldiers and other armies the opportunity to gather strength and to build uh, by their their sacrifice and their. Uh, battle for, for for freedom that took place there. So that became the battle cry as they they were going uh, about winning their freedom from Mexico. Was remember the Alamo, <clears throat> and it made. I guess I was thinking about that partially because when we look at God's word over and over and over again, there's places in the Scripture where we're pointed back to the Old Testament. I mean, the New Testament is full of scriptures that are saying. Yeah, remember the times when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt. Remember the times when God blessed them to go across the the Red Sea dried shod. Remember how God blessed them to, as they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and then went into Canaan's land. And, and you're constantly getting these, you know, remember Jacob and remember the God of Abraham and pointing back to their lives and uh, pointing back even to uh, the the priesthood that they had in the Old Testament worship service uh, in in some very interesting ways, pointing back and looking at the things that were taking place in the Old Testament temple as they were going about making their sacrifices, uh, not only day after day, but particularly the sin atonement that would take place year to year to year that was taking place inside the temple. We're, we're caused to, to look back at that, and, and at least maybe we should be asking ourselves questions. What was that trying to tell us? Uh, what were those things trying to teach us? We've been going through, and if you haven't been with us on Wednesday nights, we've been going through the book of Genesis. And just some, just some wonderful things that as you begin to really see what's taking place there, and as we've been going through and looking at uh, Abraham and Isaac and uh, the covenants that God was making, uh, not only uh, covenants where God would promise what he would do and if, what he would do if Abraham would do some things, but in some cases... Just promises that God made to Abraham uh, totally dependent upon the power of God to bring about uh, the promise. And, and so these are all important things for us to learn as we look back through the Old Testament scriptures because suddenly we're reading over here in the New Testament and we'll see, 
you know, some strange word brought into the, the Apostle Paul's writings, or maybe as we look at some things from, from Hebrews, uh, we'll, we'll find uh, some things that are in there. And, and uh, that's sort of where my mind is, is directed to go some this morning, is to end up in the book of Hebrews and looking at some of the things that are, that are laid out there uh, in God's Word. But uh, as, you, as I've mentioned uh, over and over again, again, uh, remembering those things that have transpired before, uh, the, we've talked a lot this year about, uh, you know, some basic Bible doctrines. We've tried, to, we spent a whole bit of, bit of time at the first of the year talking about uh, the sovereignty of God, how God is, doesn't answer to anyone. God is all powerful. He wouldn't be God if he didn't have power over all things. Uh, he wouldn't be one worthy of our worship uh, and worthy of our trust. Uh, even you know, I, I was looking again last night and just reading some things in scriptures and uh, uh, where it talks about God who cannot lie. Now it, that's if there's a, there's a lot of important statements in the Bible. You know, we hear about how God shed His blood, but you know, God who cannot lie promised eternal life before the world began. Uh, and th- those kind of things where we read because uh, by two immutable things, which, which one God cannot lie. So we we see these kind of things laid out in God's Word over and over again. And now when we read that God promised eternal life through His Son, Jesus Christ, and we know that God cannot lie, uh, it gives us a reason, an assurance, a hope. And then we can look back at some of those Old Testament saints like Abraham. When God made him a promise, Abraham, you're going to have a child. And in thy child shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Uh, pointing in, 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 in a way to the fact that in the lineage of Isaac and in Jacob and on down through David was the Savior going to be born. All the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through thy seed Isaac. God who cannot lie promise these things they are standing there to abraham and looking at those things that would be laid out so uh we we keep these we we look back and remember all these stories i mean some of the marvelous stories that we find in the old testament scripture i mean there's probably not a person in here that uh uh that if i asked you this morning uh back to your youngest youngest time and age uh you've you've heard the story about the children of israel crossing the red sea you've heard about moses standing up there with his staff and how God parted the waters back, uh, and uh, maybe maybe you've heard of some of the things of uh, of Abraham and Moses and uh, all of those different Old Testament saints. And we began to look and dig into these scriptures and see how these stories come alive for us today. How God was teaching us all down through the ages. So, in thinking about this uh, again, we've talked about the sovereignty of God. We've talked about uh, the elect of God. How God chose a people in Christ Jesus before the world began, uh, and so we've talked about we've talked about our total depravity. Uh, I think when I was preaching on it, I didn't say total depravity. I just talked about our depravity. Uh, but uh, again, that's one of those fundamental doctrines. A lot of times, people talk about the tulip doctrine, you know, and total depravity and. Uh, uh, <clears throat> Unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, uh, the preservation of the saints, all of those things that are laid out in those little acronyms that we have. Uh, And so uh, today, uh, if I can, I want to think about that word uh, atonement for just a little while this morning. We find, uh, we think about, the scriptures talking about limited atonement. Uh, 
uh, you know, all that word limited is trying to tell us is that uh, Christ died for a particular group of people. Uh, it doesn't mean that uh, it wasn't a vast, innumerable host of people, uh, but it does mean uh, that when we read the words like world in the scriptures and we read all in the scriptures, we better learn to define those words according to the rest of, to the rest of scripture and what scripture teaches. And so uh, uh, we will try to take a look at some of that this morning uh, if we can. Uh, but so as we, as we think about atonement, as, as I I was thinking last night and thinking about some things about the limited atonement, and I thought, yeah, but what's atonement? Right? I mean, you know, if you, you can sit around and talk about, well, the word atonement is used and, and, uh, and so forth in the scriptures, but what is atonement? And uh, so, I, you know, you get out your dictionary and begin to look and try to look at the meanings of words and so forth, and you find out atonement means to reconcile or to pardon. Uh, and so, uh, as we look back at, uh, at scriptures, uh, uh, we find without the shedding of blood, there is no atonement made. Uh, and so there, there were things where uh, blood was used in the Old Testament scriptures. In fact, uh, I'll not turn back over to every place this morning, but I'll just tell you, if you want to go read Exodus chapter 29 uh, and Exodus chapter 30, in Exodus 29 and 33, you're going to find the first time the word atonement is used in the scriptures. And what it is talking about here, this whole 29th chapter of the book of Exodus is talking about is how when, it, when God was telling Moses that uh, he was going to appoint a high priesthood and that high priesthood was going to be in Moses' brother Aaron, uh, that Aaron would be the high priest. You had a Levitical priesthood, which was a, the children of Levi, the tribe of Levi, Levi. Uh, which was one of the 12 tribes of, of Israel, uh, which was of the sons of Jacob. Uh, so you had a Levitical priesthood that did the daily service in the temple. They were the ones that made all the daily sacrifices. They were the ones that took care of the showbread. They were the ones that offered all the daily sacrifices for sins that were taking place there, constantly working there in the temple. The high priesthood was a priesthood that uh, would offer sacrifice for sin once a year and they were all in the children of Aaron and the, the lineage of Aaron that offered the... Uh, so as we go into the 29th chapter of the book of Exodus, we're going to find uh, that before the, uh, the Aaron priesthood, while it was being laid out, what they had to do before they could make a, a sacrifice, they had to first offer a sacrifice for their own sins. And they had to then take blood of a bullock and blood of a, of a ram and they had to go in and they had to sprinkle the altar and they had to put it on the uh, the horns of the altar that were uh, that were outside they had to do all of this to cleanse and consecrate the altar before they could offer the sin offering that was to be made once a year so they had to go in and because things were cleansed by blood and all of that was trying to be a picture and a type and pointing toward that great high priest that was going to come uh, because while this priesthood of Aaron uh, had to offer sacrifice for sin year after year 
after year after year. I mean, you know, you can, you can just, I could say it and drag it on, but you know, you get the idea that every year they were making a sacrifice for sin. And then the New Testament scripture comes over here and tells us that the blood of bulls and goats and the uh, ashes of a heifer could never make uh, them without sin. In other words, it could never take away their sins. So while they were sacrificing for sin and making an atonement every year for their sins, it didn't take away their sins because the, the, the animals were not perfect. The people doing the offerings were not perfect. They were doing things to cleanse themselves. They would go in and sprinkle the altar. They would take one ram outside the gate and have a person go out and do that. Before he could come back into the camp, he had to walk, take his clothes off and wash. And after, they, after the high priest had gone in and sprinkled the blood on various places inside the uh, temple and uh, also upon his clothes, he had to take his clothes off inside the tabernacle and then he had to wash and to be clean before he could put his clothes back on to go in and offer that sacrifice that was to be made uh, inside the Holy of Holies and the sprinkling of blood upon the, the, the covering or the, uh, you know, the, that covering there. It's interesting. Uh, maybe you'll find this interesting. That word atonement also means to cover. Uh, so when now you're looking at, you're thinking about that, uh, uh, the Ark of the Covenant that's set in behind the, the veil, behind the Holy of Holies, that top part of that uh, Ark of the Covenant was called uh, the mercy seat. That word mercy seat means atonement. It means covering. And you know what it covered? It covered the laws of Moses, uh, the, the Ten Commandments that were written on the tablets of stone, which were placed inside there. Uh, they, they were placed inside, and that mercy seat covered those Ten Commandments. You say, well, what is this a picture of? Well, if we think about Jesus Christ this morning being our atonement, He is our covering. He is the one. And what did he cover? He covered the judgment of the laws, my friends, because the judgment of the laws declared you and I guilty before God. Now we see a, a covering that was placed upon that, uh, and we also see blood that was sprinkled upon that by that high priest once a year. But that blood never took away our sins. And so every year they're going in there and, and they're offering these sacrifices. They're going through these cleansing. They're, they're uh, cleansing the altars they're, uh, with blood. And they're washing themselves before they go in before the presence of God. Uh, lest they be struck dead because they haven't followed after the, uh, the rituals correctly. Uh, and I'll tell you, all of these things were done to point toward nothing other than the great high priest that was to come. Jesus Christ. Our Savior. So now I've, I've given some background. You want to read again all of these things. Uh, the, the 29th uh, of Exodus and 30th tells us about the consecrations that were being made. That's the first part. Then you can turn over and you can read further about atoning works in the book of Leviticus. And when you get over to the 23rd chapter of the book of Leviticus, you're going to read that there was also a day of atonement, which was to be in the seventh month of their year. And on the 10th day, 10th day of that month, they were to go in. The, this was when the high priest would actually go in every year, seventh month, 10th day, he would make this atoning sacrifice for the sins of his people, uh, for the sins of the people. I think at this point I would point out this because we talked about how uh, in the beginning uh, there's a doctrine called limited atonement. I want you to think about this, the atoning work of Jesus Christ. And let's go back and look at what was being uh, 
given to us in picture in the Old Testament. Uh, and that high priest would go in and offer sacrifice for himself. Now, again, that's, a, uh, that's an Old Testament thing because Jesus Christ did not have to make sacrifice for himself uh, for his sins like that high priest did. But that high priest in the Old Testament had to do that for his sins before he was uh, recognized by God to go in and offer, offer a sacrifice for the sins of the people. When the high priest would go in once a year in the camps of Israel to make a sacrifice for sins, was he making an atoning sacrifice for anyone who was not of the camps of Israel? The answer is no. His work, his sacrifice was for his sins for the sins of Israel and any strangers that might have been in the camps of Israel. He didn't make it. When he went in that once a year and made an offering for sin, his his sin offering was limited to the children of Israel, the strangers that were within the camps of Israel. He was not making atonement for the Egyptians or the Hittites or the Persians or the Medes or the Assyrians or any of those people. He was making a specific atonement for those people uh, that were God's people, uh, that uh, that God had chosen uh, through Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob, uh, uh, which are typified if you will, of the family of God. All right. So now then let's turn with that, with all of that background. See, I'm t- I, knew, I knew this morning, I said, you know, this is going to get too big, but, you know, uh, th- that's what, we're, we're here to learn more about God so that when, we're, when we look at the work that Jesus, because all of this is pointing back toward Jesus for you and me today, and we want to, to look and say, what did he accomplish? Uh, and was it, was it, was it uh, as perfect as we believe? What made the work of, of his, uh, his, uh, his sacrifice so perfect for you and me that you and I can have a hope? In, uh, in, our, in our eternal destiny, because, not because of what we've done, but because of what he accomplished there upon the cross. And that's, that's what it's all pointing back towards. So I want to turn over then uh, to a place that should be familiar to you because we've been in and out of there some in recent, uh, recent weeks, recent months. I'm going to turn over to the fifth chapter of the book of Romans. Uh, and here we're going to find one of the few places that were the word atonement uh, is used in, in in the New Testament scriptures, mostly back in the Old Testament. Uh, but the work of atonement itself is talked about uh, in in the in the New Testament scriptures. So. Uh, he tells us, and, and I'm not going to go in, I can, this is, would take me way off track, uh, so I'll just have to depend on some of y'all to either remember some things that I've preached before or go back and read again, looking at across some things here in the book of Romans. Uh, but in the fourth chapter of the book of Romans, uh, we see a reiteration of the promises that were given to Abraham. Uh, and Abraham believed God, uh, you know, I could turn over to a New Testament scripture and I'll just do it in my mind for you and y'all can follow. In the First uh, John chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ 
is born of God. So what that New Testament scripture tells us that when you find a believer, what you found is someone who has already been born again by the Spirit of God. Uh, Because without the Spirit of God, it would be impossible uh, for them to truly believe. So uh, he he tells us back over there that uh, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Uh, It's very important for us to understand in some of the things that are taught in today's uh, denominational world. And I'm not, again, not casting stones uh, other than to say, I want you to understand what the scripture actually teaches, okay? So so when it taught that Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. It's not teaching us that it made Abraham righteous. It's teaching us that God acknowledged he was righteous by his belief. And because Abraham believed God, uh, uh, God promised Abraham that he would bless him That, by the way, is the same blessing that's to you and I today. When we believe God, it's a blessing to us. And we show that we believe God by our faith uh, and by walking and following after God faithfully. Now, uh, you know, you go back over there and look at it. uh, God promised, we talked about this earlier. God promised, here we remember, (laughs) remember these things? Uh, God promised Abraham a son. Then Abraham waited. Now, you know the story, and I'm not going to drag off all the, you know, Abraham and Sarah tried to, tried to help God get his work done, you know, and we understand what happened with uh, uh, the handmaid Hagar and uh, Ishmael being born and all of those things. But God was going to show to Abraham a couple of things. One, when I tell you something, Abraham, it's true. Okay. Uh, when I tell you something, Abraham, you mark it down. I told you you were going to have a son. It was going to be your seed, and in your seed will all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now, 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 follow this for a minute. Abraham got to see the word of God come true in the blessing of Isaac, right? But he had to wait. He had to wait patiently. <laughs> He wasn't always patient, but I'm just going to say he had to patiently wait to see God's fulfillment of the promise that he had promised him. But he, but he did see the promise of, of this child Isaac coming into his life. <clears throat> but do you know Abraham died never seeing the promise that in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. <clears throat> but it was still true. It was still true. He told, and Abraham by an eye of faith saw it when he took that child up to that mountain and he was told by God to take your son, your only begotten son, uh, and offer him as a sacrifice unto me. And of course, you know the story of that, how God then delivered him and God provided himself a sacrifice, a prophecy of the coming of Jesus Christ again to Abraham and how God gave him a ram there that he ended up sacrificing on that altar instead of his son. But he saw in that, uh, that willingness of Abraham that Abraham believed God. Abraham had faith in God, and, and he saw all that coming to life, okay? So, you thought I'd lost myself all the way back in the Old Testament, didn't you? So here we get to the fifth chapter of the book of Romans, uh, uh, fourth chapter and the fifth chapter, and it's repeating some of this story, showing that 
God, Abraham believed God. It was accounted to him for righteousness. Uh, and so, uh, uh, and it says to us here at the end of Romans 4 that, it, that this thing was not written, verse 23 of Romans 4, now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. It wasn't just written down for Abraham's sake that God blessed him and imputed righteousness to him because he believed. It wasn't just written so Abraham would say, oh, yeah, thank you, Lord. It was written for our sakes too so that you and I would know that when we believe God and faithfully wait for God to deliver his promises to us that it's also going to be a blessing to us. So it says, but it was not written for his sake alone but it was imputed to him but also to us to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Boy, there's another one of those words. But, you know, it, now what the, know what the Bible is? We're supposed to understand that we're declared just in the councils and courts of God by the blood of Jesus Christ that was offered as an atonement for you and I. You say, why, was, why is it that way? I mean, it, okay, I know I got, mama, I, got, I got some young mamas and daddies in here. Some of them are already experiencing this. Uh, and those of you that haven't experienced this will experience this. If you haven't experienced it with your children, you'll see it in grandchildren or nieces and nephews. But children do have this great propensity to say, Why? Why, Daddy? Why, Mama? Why? You tell them something, they say, Why? <laughs> and God and God says uh, uh, He was delivered for our uh, delivered for our offenses. He was raised again for our justification. Why is it this? Why did it have to be this way? <clears throat> because He said so. I heard there was a sermon about that priest around here. I don't know about if I I think I heard something. About it. But it, you know why it's like that? It's because that's the way God decreed that it was going to be. He required a perfect, sinless sacrifice, and the only thing in the universe that would meet that requirement was Jesus Christ, his son, the perfect lamb of God who came and shed his blood and offered himself as the high priest uh, offering this sacrifice. So it says, he was delivered for our offenses. He was raised again for our justification. Therefore, being justified by faith, talking about Abraham's faith, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. All right? This is not an eternal justification. Every time you read the word justification in the scriptures, uh, sometimes it'll say, like over in James, it says we're justified by our works. We're justified by our faith. Uh, uh, in, the, in, the, in the realms of heaven, the only thing that justifies you and me before God or declares us just or innocent uh, before God is the blood of Jesus Christ. But, you know, in this world that we live in, Others see that we're justified by our works and by our faith and how we live. And so here he tells us, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. You know what this justification does for you, between you and God? Uh, it gives you a peace and a comfort and a joy and an understanding. Well, there was a, there was a peace that Abraham had knowing that he was a child of the king, that God was blessing him. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have also have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So, uh, because we're justified and because we know we've been justified by our faithful actions, 
We have access by this grace, by faith into this grace. I'm telling you, if you're sitting here this morning and enjoying the fact and knowing in your heart and say, you know what, I'm a child of the king. In this world, people may look upon me and say, who are you? What have you done? Where are you going? What are you going to be? But I'm going to tell you, when I kneel down on my knees, uh, my friends, I know I'm a child of the king. Uh, why? Because he died for me. Uh, because he loved me. Uh, and I have access by faith into this grace wherein I stand today. And I, I can stand not by my own merit, not by my own works, not by my own confession, not by my own faith, uh, but I can stand and, uh, my friends, with a faith and a hope that one day this old world is not going to be uh, uh, my home, but I'm going to be home with him in heaven. Why? Because I have access into this grace by the faith that God has placed within me through the new birth. And so he says, not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. You know this. I, you know when I was a. You know I, I appreciate a lot, you know, so much, Brother Adam. You know a lot of times him and some of these young ministers that are coming along, they do a good job of trying to help us older men and and, and maybe older members. But they talk about what's the context. I mean, me and brother, me and sister Marcia and my wife and others among the congregation maybe can remember years ago preachers coming into a place like uh, uh, Romans chapter five and, and jumping into it and talking about, uh, well, you know, tribulations work with patience and patience hope and, so, and and forget that this is tied to chapter four. This is tied to Abraham. This is tied to Abraham waiting 25 years from the time he left uh, Haran uh, up in the, in, the, in the northern end of what we would call Iraq today and journeyed to a land that God would show him. It was 25 years from that time that he left that land to the time God gave him a child by the name of Isaac. And I'll tell you, there was tribulation and trial and waiting and, 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 and conflict in his mind, no doubt, from time to time. Uh, as he waited on this promise of God that he would have a child in this, ch- in, this, in this child. And I know if you want to go back to when the actual promise was made, the promise was made not 75 years ago, but I mean when he was 75, but maybe it was when he was, when he was 90 or something like that. He had waited another 15 years after he had gone to the land. Then God makes another promise and tells him these things. And then he had to wait. And then he had to wait. <clears throat> I don't know about you. I, I think I think about me, okay? Uh, but I've been going somewhere, and I'm in a hurry, okay? And I'm not, you know, it's not I'm not driving 85 down the highway, okay? I'm not, do, I'm not doing like the Mississippi State football player doing 120 either, okay? So, uh, so I'm not doing that, but, I'm, but on the way there, I've got, okay, I've got to get here this time, this time, trying to get someone, and I've got to stop. And get something to eat on the way because this is, you know, this is an appointment, you know, but it's mealtime. I've got to stop and get something. <clears throat> so you pull into Jack's or you pull into McDonald's or you pull into Burger King or wherever, you know, whatever your favorite is, you know. Or <clears throat> I can tell you this, I love Chick-fil-A. But if you're in Jasper and you're in a hurry, 
don't get in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru line. Okay, I mean, that's just, uh, I'm just telling you, if you haven't experienced that, I'm just, so, you know, I'm going somewhere and I'm in a hurry. And, and so I get to pull in, you know, it's Jack's or whatever. I'm thinking of one place in particular instant in my mind. And so I get there and I pull up and I, and I order and I drive around and I wait and I wait and I wait. And I'm in a hurry. And I wait, and I wait, and I'm like, well, this a fast food restaurant? You know, know, this is fast food, right? So it's supposed to be out here when I get there and ready. And we have promises to us that are made from God. And we think, well, God promised it. I'm expecting it tonight. I'm expecting it tomorrow. I'm expecting it right away. But sometimes God just, yeah, not just sometimes. You know how God works? When God gets ready to. But his word is still true. He promised a child. Abraham and Sarah had a child. But it was when God got ready to give it to them. And he waited so that they were past any age of being able to claim credit for the event on their own. And then God gave them a child. So that they knew. And others would know. Can you imagine... Let your imagination work. Can you imagine others that were saying, hey, this 100-year-old man and this 90-year-old woman just had a baby. That's not right. You know, that's not normal. That's right. It was God. When God shows up, he shows out. So that everybody knows it's God. And we can look back. We can even look back and read and say, that had to be God. The only way that could happen was God was there. <clears throat> but the whole time, Abraham's in, you know, I'm not saying, Abraham wasn't necessarily in the fast food line, okay? But I mean, you know, so <clears throat> we have this, therefore, being justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ and by whom we have access by faith into this grace where we stand. You and I are enjoying today that we have access by faith into this grace so that we're not just uh, unknowingly waiting for that day that's going to come, but we're knowingly waiting. And we're spo- what are we supposed to do? Y'all know what I'm saying. You know, we're to remember the Alamo. We're to look back and remember how God promised things and how God fulfilled it time after time after time after time. And as you and I are going through our trials and our troubles and our tribulations and our national issues and our church issues and our uh, uh, international issues and our leadership issues and we see... Uh, rampant sin going on in the world today and people being condemned for speaking out against it. We say, Lord, oh Lord, are you coming again? Are you going to deliver us from this world of, of sin that we're living in? Oh yes, God promised. He promised. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience. Boy, do I have to tell you how many times Abraham along the trail, and we, we have been studying through this on Wednesday night, but how many times Abraham had to patiently endure something to see God was there. Uh, Brother Adam was talking about it the other night. Abraham and Sarah went down after, shortly after getting into Canaan's land. There's a little famine in the land. They go down into Egypt. And they get down there, and uh, Abraham says, No, Pharaoh. 
She's my sister. She's not my wife because he's afraid. Going to kill her. Well, of course, then Abraham, you know, God reveals to Pharaoh, you know, that uh, that's his wife. Leave her alone. Don't mess with her. And so Abraham, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, she's my wife. You know, she's my, she was the, the daughter of my mother, but not the daughter of my father. And so she is my half-sister, you know. And so I wasn't lying, you know, Abraham wasn't, you know, about these things. Uh, but, yeah, she's my wife. And so, because God had made a covenant with Abraham, it says, I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse those that curse you. Now then suddenly, there was a, there was a charge on Pharaoh. says, you know what? If I don't treat this guy right, I'm going to be cursed, uh, and so forth. So, and, and Abraham got to see that event, right? So he got some experience. Lo and behold, years later, he goes down uh, to, to another king, Abimelech, and he does the exact same thing. Oh, no, she's not my wife. She's my sister. And you think, wait a minute, Abraham, didn't you have some experience back a few years ago? But you know what, me and you can learn through that? Sometimes don't you do the same dumb thing you've done before, and, and you see God's deliverance and God's grace in your life, and you think, well, I won't ever do that again. Then some years later, you do something just like that again, you know, and you're like, and God deliver, maybe delivers you again in this situation. He's like, I won't ever do, you know. But God, you know, aren't you, if, if, you're do, if you're experiencing life, you learn from your experiences. You learn from seeing how God was there. And Abraham, this whole story here in the first part of, of, uh, of Romans 5 is talking about therefore being justified by faith as Abraham had been in, his, in believing God and seeing God's blessing. And we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we also have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope and of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. We don't just glory. We're not just to glory in the in the the peace and the faith that we have with God, when we're going through troubles and trials, God's saying you're to glory in that too. Hallelujah, Lord, I'm having trouble again. No, I don't think that's what he's talking to. He's talking about, but we're to see God working sometimes even in our troubles and our trials. And he says, uh, not only so we glory in tribulations, knowing, knowing that it's not the tribulation that's good, but tribulation worketh patience. And patience, as we see God working uh, with that, is an experience. And once we have an experience of seeing God's deliverance, we're to lean back on that experience. Or maybe we can look back and see how God delivered Abraham and say, remember, remember these times. We're to remember that in our times of trouble, how God is there. So, and patience, experience, and experience gives us hope. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, <clears throat> in due time Christ died for the ungodly. You and I were totally without ability to deliver ourselves. Why? Because we were totally depraved without anything to offer God. We had no... We had. There's nothing... All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. All of our goodness is not pleasing. It, it is pleasing to God, but it's not pleasing to God as, a, as an atonement or as a sacrifice for our sins. It won't get the job done. 
Mind your righteousness just won't do it. Our, our confessions won't do it. Our prayers won't do it. Uh, and so he says, uh, uh, for, the, when the time, for when ye, we were yet without strength, in due time, you know what due time is? Uh, that's God's time. Uh, you know what? You know why they women, you know, have a due date. You know what that due date is? That due date is nine months. You know who set nine months? God did. <laughs> God said that time for the development of that child and the birth to take place is nine months. He said, "Well, sometimes it happens earlier than that, brother Charles. Sometimes it happens later than that. Yeah, but ger- generally you mark it down to nine months, right?" Because God has a due time for things. And he tells us here in this verse, For when we were yet without strength in due time, when God was ready, when it was time on God's calendar, not mine, your calendar, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man would some even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. He died for us before uh, uh, before you and I ever had any thoughts of loving God. And you know what we were? We were sinners. We were just sinners condemned and doomed and uh, like we justly should be because of our sin. Yet in, even in our sin, God loved us. Okay? And he says, Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall we shall be saved from the wrath from wrath through him. Being I, just just focus on that verse if you've got your Bible there for a minute. Much more than God died for us when we were yet sinners, but much more than being justified. How are we justified by His blood? That's what makes you and I justified before God. Being justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath to come. So when God pours out His wrath upon this sinful world and upon all that, you and I are going to be delivered from that wrath and punishment and an eternal hell. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. For when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. So we were, we were reconciled by the blood. You know what the Bible tells us? The Bible tells us in Hebrews that the life is in the blood. You know what, you know what Jesus shed for us on the cross? His life. His blood, His blood came forth. His life went out of Him, and I'm I'm talking about I'm telling you more medical stuff than all than than I know. And all you medical folks are sitting out there going, "Yeah, yeah, life's in the blood. Without the blood, there's no life." Okay, and so we're sitting here. He poured out His life there upon the cross, and when we we were reconciled by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. He didn't just die; He came forth to be alive forever and ever and ever for you and me. We're going to be saved uh, by His life, and not only so, but we also joy in God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now. If you got your Bible, I want you to underline it. <laughs> by whom we uh, not only so, but we also join God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. 
I'm telling you, the atoning work of Jesus Christ, the covering, covering the wrath, the law, uh, the reconciliation. The reconciliation has now been done. Paul could say that it has now been done because it took place on the cross. It took place when, when Christ arose and took his, took his own blood as high priest. And he sprinkled it in that holy of holies which is above upon the mercy seat that's there. And you say, you mean there's a temple up above? I'm telling you, Moses made the temple after the patterns of the things in heaven. Uh, and he, uh, God show, took him to the mountain, showed him those things. He built the tabernacle of the Old Testament wilderness journey. Uh, after after those things. So we have now received the atonement. Wherefore by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men. But I'm going to tell you by one man Jesus Christ. And, and I preached this here before a few months ago. And so see, I've gotten now to the, the scripture atonement. Now we'll have to go look and see what the atonement accomplished. But that'll have to be next week. Uh, so uh, here he says, by one man, death came upon us. And in like manner, by one man, life was given to us. And I've said this here back a few months ago. To, to me, you know, I've been studying the Bible for, I mean, really really studying the Bible probably for coming up close to, to 40 years now. And, and I want to tell the young folks this because... Sometimes you might get to thinking and saying, well, I've been studying the Bible, you know, and it looks like the same. I'm, I'm telling you, I've been studying for 40 years, and so still along the way, there'll be things I see now that I didn't see 40 years ago or 30 years ago or 20 years ago or two years ago. And, and as I, I look at this portion of Scripture here in Romans 5, I see a, a death that passed upon us because of all, because of one man Adam, who sinned in the garden. And, and I've told you all this here before, but we'll repeat it for emphasis today. That like as sin came to us by one man, also in like manner, life came to us by one man. That's what this scripture section of Scripture tells us here. And, and I've said this again a few months ago, but repeat it now. <clears throat> in, in this... You and I didn't have to do anything to become sinners. There's nothing you had to do. You were born into the world. That's who you were by your birth. Uh, in sin, we were conceived, okay? We, were, we, are, we are sinners because my mom and my daddy were sinners. And their mamas and daddies all the way back to Adam were sinners. And so I'm born into this world a sinner. But you know what? Just like I didn't have to do anything to be a sinner except be born into this world, I don't have to do anything uh, to be a child of the King except be born again from above. And I don't have to do anything to be born to begin because it's a sovereign work of God. Now, lest somebody go out of here and say, well, Brother Charles says we don't have to do anything. No, I'm here to tell you, uh, being born again is not a work that you and I have to do. But because we are born again and because we're a child of the King, we're to follow faithfully and believe and love and follow after Him and love our neighbors ourselves. And all those things we're taught in the Scriptures, 
because of the great love with wherewith God has loved us. Let us show that forth in our life. Let us praise Him. Let us worship Him. Let us follow Him as disciples. All those things that we are supposed to do. God has given us a work to do. But the work was not the atonement. And the work was not deciding who gets atoned. God decided all of that. Praise be to God. Because I'm telling you today, in the world that we live in, there, would be, uh, there, would be, there are those that tell, that tell us that there are people all over this world that are dying and going to hell because God doesn't love them, because uh, you know, they, they haven't believed and confessed and done all that. I'm telling you, I'm thankful that we have a God that can love beyond the love of mankind. And that can love beyond our ability. Because when we see many of the atrocities that take place in the world, you know, I, I don't know if they're a child of God or not a child of God. I don't know all that. And I don't have to know all that because it's all in God's hands. May God, may God bless us just to serve and to love and to love Him uh, and show it forth every day. We're going to get back to this atonement because I just now got to the place in the Scripture says, we have now received it. So how did we receive it? We're going to, Lord willing, we'll go over to the book of Hebrews starting next week. Uh, or, we'll, or we'll talk some about what makes it limited, who limited it. It's not limited like little bitty. It's limited like great big. Uh, but it doesn't include everyone, so you say it's limited, okay? But it's limited by the grace and the mercy of God. And we'll look at this great high priest of ours that brought it about. May God bless you as our prayer.